Thanks for listening to the Suncoast Church Eastbourne podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information, visit suncoastchurch.co.uk. It really is a very, very special day, um, not just for our baptismal candidates, but if you truly understand water baptism, it's a special day for all of us because these four people are going to be not just baptized in, in, in water, they are going to be baptized into something. And it's the body of Christ, which is the greater body of Christ, the church worldwide made up of a whole bunch of local churches. They're baptized not just into this fellowship, they're baptized into the entire body, amen? Into the, the, the 7,000, 8,000 Christians that are actually active in Eastbourne, apparently every Sunday morning. So I would like to, if I could, could I get um, Paige and Claire, sorry, Cindy, to come up here? I'll never get your names wrong. I'll always mucking that up. You, you always give me grace, though, because you know I'm getting old. And could I also have Jack? Jack, you're getting baptized today, aren't you? Awesome. You come up, too. And, 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 and where are you? I've missed you. Yes, Haley, come on up here, right? Haley, warm welcome to Haley's sister here, also, all the way from Lowestoft. She was telling me, she was telling me this, this well, I, I couldn't miss today. I guess you've been waiting for this moment for quite some time, and no doubt I've sank a few prayers. <laughs> but as I said, it's not just a special time for them, it's a special time for us. And uh, what I want to do is pray over you all. Um, I wonder if we could stand. Because what I want you to recognize is that these guys, in agreeing to be water baptized, it's, it's, it's a kind of signing, sealing, and delivering. And I want you to recognize from now on, I want you to recognize as truly as brothers and sisters in Christ, that they're on that path of discipleship, that they're not just spouting hot air about God. No, they're prepared to follow their faith up with a very prominent work, water baptism. Amen? So I want you to receive them that way. Whether you're down at the, the baptismal uh, on uh, at 3 o'clock and 4, uh, or maybe you can't be there today. There's a few uh, other occasions happening today. Maybe you can't be there, but please receive them uh, as your brothers and sisters. So let's just pray over them, eh? If you just st stretch forth your hand. Yes, Father, Lord, I, I pray for Jack, Lord. And uh, God, I pray. First of all, we offer a prayer of thanksgiving for his life. That, that journey he's been on, you finally brought him into port, Lord. You finally landed him. <laughs> And he's decided to follow you. And I pray, Lord, just for, as with all the rest of them, that with a step of obedience, there'd be tremendous blessing would come on his life. Tremendous blessing. He'd find out what he's called to. He'd find out what life is about. He'd find out, really, Jesus. Everything there is to know about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So, Father, I pray that you enrich his life relationally with yourself. And I pray, Lord, that this young guy, from very early uh, age in the Lord, begins to find out what he's cut out for. To live life in purpose, uh, to live life with a sense of meaning attached to it, and to know that he's on a, a journey, almost an unending journey in one sense, of finding out about God, the wonder of God. Amen. 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 Lord, for Haley, thank you, Lord, for... Thank you, Jesus, for your grace thrown over her life. Uh, thank you for all the prayers that have gone up for her. I guess we, we were all prayed for by someone, somehow, sometime. We thank you, Lord, for the sound, the sweet sound of amazing grace that has touched Haley's life. And Father, again, as she comes up out of those waters, I pray that she would find out what it is uh, to say those words eventually, Lord, hey, it's no longer I that live, but Christ.
Christ that lives in me, that a year from hence that she would look back and say, wow, I found so much of that new me that God put in me when Christ moved in. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, for Paige, Father, we thank you that she's stuck with you through thick and thin, really. We thank you, Lord, her faith's already been tested. Uh, and she has decided, come what may, to stick with you through hell and high water. So, Father, I thank you for someone who's got that toughness inside, that, that resilience, that, that tenacity to hang in the God. And uh, I thank you, Lord, for this, this huge event in her life today. And I pray, my God, that she would know tremendous blessings, tremendous blessings, that things that she, things that she would hardly hope for would come her way. In fact, I just think there's a, a prophetic note in that, Hale. a prophetic note page, that uh, some of the things that you've kind of dared to hope for and kind of then just put to one side, God's saying, oh, come on, hope. Have faith. Hope springs out of real faith. Hope in God. He's got some good things for you. Amen. Amen. Cindy, thank you, dear. Lord, for Cindy. <laughs> I thank you, Lord, for Cindy. I thank you, Jesus, for a smile. I thank you for a laugh. I thank you, God, for the... She's already tasted of the goodness of the Lord at a heart level. She's tasted your strength, and she's tasted your kindness. She's tasted of your goodness. And Father, I just pray that whatever she states in so far, it would simply be an entree to the main course following her baptism. So Father, I thank you that you really do, according to Psalm 23, you lay a table before us, it's prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. I thank you, Lord, you've taken care of our enemies, death, hell, and the grave. And I thank you, Jesus, that would have spread before us a table of your goodness, a table of your goodness. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are her shepherd, you've led her this far. And I thank you, Lord, that grace has led us this far, and grace will lead her all the way through life to when she goes home. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. So God bless you, guys. Awesome. Awesome. And James is going to be our lifeguard, and uh, Peter Dobson is going to join me in the training pool. Okay. God bless you guys. Thanks for taking that step. You mark a, quite a shift in this church in our growth and development. Over the last four years, we've had to make some fairly big decisions as we embrace a big God who wants a church to grow. And uh, for those of you who only come recently, you will probably be unaware of the growth of our church. Uh, one of the things we're happy to discard was the paddling pool that used to be over there, which flooded on occasion, and Barry would have to kind of mop it all up. And, uh, and the water was never warm. It was always about a degree above the outside you know, sea temperature. So those days are over, one way or the other. Probably our next water baptism might be in the sea. Uh, we'll see. Pardon the pump. Anyway. Okay, so we're talking about grand designs. The grand design being the Church of Jesus Christ. There's been many, many other construction projects which you might have seen. Julie and I saw a cracker down on the, uh, the shore, down by the beach, which was that little town called, I can't remember this. Yeah, somewhere down Seton, there's this incredible, this beautiful round house, and it looked like it just jumped off the program of grand designs. It's a little, little, little creek, that's a strain, a little, a little, um, little what do you call it? Like in English, little, what? A stream. I've got the Scottish and this side of my brain, a burn. Scots call it a burn. The Aussies call it a creek. It's just this beautiful little thing running through their garden. I thought, boy, that is one grand design. Whoa, wouldn't it be awesome to live there with a view like that? But friend, we're part of something that's a much, much, much grander design that's not going to fall to bits. 
Uh, it's a grand design that's eternal. And every single one of us has got a part in it. And I tell you, the view from this grand design is phenomenal. <laughs> the grand design of Jesus Christ, the church, the grand design, the view from it in terms of what's the future? Well, Christ is coming back one day. And in the meantime, there's a job to do to tell everybody that was willing to hear about him. And this, which is essentially uh, my subject today. Now, next week, again, we've got something really special happening next week. And I've postponed the second part of last week's message. Until then, because I want to talk about finding your fit and what you do for God next week. Covered an aspect of that about you've got to fit in relationally. So you've got, you've got to do team pretty closely in the church of God. So you've got to allow God to work on your character to fit in there. But the whole other dimension of that is what are you going to do for God? So next week, we've got Steve Whittington coming from Beachy Head Chaplaincy. And uh, he is going to be sharing up here together with our own Steve. So that's going to be two Steves. And they're going to be sharing about the work of Beachy Head Chaplaincy. It's a unique work. It really is. I was out with them uh, late last year. and we, uh, I was out, I think, until about midnight or so, and uh, following them on their searches. And um, it was really... I'll tell you what, when I, when I heard some of the stories they told and whatever else, but I'm going to let them tell their own story. And uh, we're going to present them with a check on behalf of you all for the ongoing work of Beach Your Head Chapters. So don't miss it next week, okay? It is really going to be a very special time, uh, very much in line with my subject that morning. So this one is Grand Designs Week 4. And I just want to show you a few quick scriptures here uh, about something called The Way. You might come as a bit of a surprise to you to know that the term Christian, it did not originate with the church. It was in the, when the church was in Antioch, which these days is, is somewhere around south uh, central Turkey. Uh, but the church, it was when the Christians were there building the church in, in that city called Antioch, it was the people around about that called them Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. You might be surprised to know that. But the Christians did call themselves by a particular name. And uh, we must have a look at a number of instances of this because it ties so well into uh, the body of my message. So Acts 9.2, if we could have a look at that. <coughs> this is the Apostle Paul speaking of the Apostle Paul. And uh, he was a great persecutor of the church before he had his Damascus Road experience. And so, let's read it together. And uh, requested of him letters to the synagogues at Damascus. He wanted letters to go to Damascus, authorizing him so that if he found any men or women belonging to there, the way capitalized. The early church was known not as Christians, but they were known as the way. The Amplified Version puts something in parenthesis here for clarification of life as determined by faith in Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, it was called the way that he might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. Let's go to the next one, Acts 19 uh, and verse 9. Um, again, in the life of St. Paul, here he is having a hard time uh, with some uh, Jews who were uh, far from believing they were actually uh, very much coming against him and persecuting him. And it says, When some became more and more stubborn, hardened and unbelieving, discrediting and reviling and speaking evil of the way, before the congregation, he separated himself from them and taking the disciples with him, he went on holding daily discussions in the lecture room of Tyrannus uh, from about 10 o'clock till 3. And verse 23 of the same chapter, I just want to establish that this is a fact, that the church was called the way. 
But as time went on, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. And finally, Acts uh, 22 verse 4. Paul speaking here, uh, I think to king, one of the kings that he had addressed. It says, yes, I harassed, I troubled, molested, and persecuted this way of the Lord to the death, putting in chains and committing to prison both men and women. One more scripture, John 14, verse 6. How do we tie all this together? Jesus said to him, I am the way. So you're picking this up. You're going to bring some threads together. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying, I am the way. That he was the way to God. That nobody, nobody can come any other way except through him. And it would appear in the early church history that that term, the, that I am the way, that somehow that was woven into their identity as God's people in that first century. They, they, they'd call themselves the way. And even, even, even today, it's like there's several kind of cultish groups I have to say, they call themselves the way because they feel that they're the original and the best. But anyway, don't go there. Now, I'm going to go, I'm going to take you now way into the Old Testament, several thousand years ago, and we're going to look at an incident within the life of Father Abraham's grandson. Who's heard of Abraham? I think everybody's heard of Abraham. Abraham had a son called Isaac, who happened to be a kind of only begotten son and type shadow, and he had a, another son called Jacob. And here we're finding Jacob has just been given orders to by his dad, Isaac, to go and find a wife somewhere uh, within his family to find a wife for himself. Don't take a wife of the Philistines, but no, take a wife of, of your, your, your family, some family member, way, way distant. So here we're picking up in Genesis 28, verses 10 to 19. This is all about the church and what we are for, okay? This is about what you are for, it's what we are here for, okay? And Jacob left Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place, and he stayed there overnight. Because the sun was set, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down there to sleep. Now, let's just tune in here. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So he's seeing a connection between heaven and earth. You got that? He's seen, he's seen this connection with angels ascending up and down between heaven and earth. You could say it's a way. Verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood over and beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, your forefather, and the God of Isaac, who was his father. I will give to you and to your descendants the land in which you are lying. And your offspring shall be countless as the dust of the sand of the ground. And you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And by you and your offspring, capitalized because that's Jesus, shall all the families of the earth be blessed and bless themselves. We're part of that. We've been blessed by the offspring. The offspring obviously being Jesus. And look at this verse 15. And it says, Behold, I am with you. And I will keep watch over you with care. 
take notice of you wherever you may go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done all of which I have told you. Now look at this. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Oh, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. I don't know how many people have walked through those doors, kind of hoping they'd, found, they'd find God, find something of God, and then been so happy to report later on that they said, I, I felt God in this place. I felt God in this house. Many of you have come to me over the years, and especially when you're just saved, and you, you've come up and says, Why do I always cry during worship? I'm not just talking about women, I'm talking about blokes. Why, why, why do I start weeping? And my explanation is all your life, your spirit has been waiting to find again that person, namely your Heavenly Father, from whence you came. The Bible says that God is the Father of all spirits. Amen? So, And we are spirits. Human beings, are, are, are etern- they have eternal spirits. They've got to find God again. They've got to find Jesus because... The thing about if you're an eternal spirit, you will never cease to exist. You will always exist. That which is spirit is eternal. And and that's why the gospel is so important because we need to preach the gospel so that people can hear the way so that they spend eternity with God and not eternity separated from God and what the Bible calls hell. Do do you follow me? And surely the Lord is in this place and I, I didn't know it and so many of you have come up to me over the years and said, man, I, I, I came here wondering if I'd find God or whatever. It looked like an old warehouse, but somewhere in the middle of the service, I felt I just something, I felt it. Isn't that good? And he was afraid. And he said, wow, how to be feared and reverenced is this place. And look what he says here. This is none other than the house of God. This is none other than the house of God. And this, obviously the latter, this is the gateway to heaven. In today's kind of parlance, you'd say it was a portal between heaven and earth. I read this this morning and I kind of had a little smile to myself. I've got some good friends uh, up at Gateway Church. It's a great church up there near King's Church. It's another great church. And they call their church uh, Gateway Church. They've, had a, they've got a revelation there of what the church is for in their neck of the woods. Their, their church is the gateway to the way. Do, do you follow me? See, Jesus is the way. There's no other Savior except Jesus Christ. There is no other way except by the cross being drawn to Him. Come to the cross, give your life to Him, repent, believe and repent. Amen. So so Jesus is the way through his virgin birth, his sinless life, his atoning death, his incredible death-busting resurrection, and his ascension and exaltation at the right hand of the Father. He's done all the work, and he's the only Savior in town. But friend, we are the gateway to the way. You and I are the ones that point people to Jesus. And here, as you will see from the last verse in John chapter 1. This is a type and a shadow of something that Jesus spoke about, a New Testament reality that Jesus spoke of. So let's read verse 17 again. He was afraid and he says, Now, nah, how to be feared and reverenced is this place? Wow, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. Well, this is none other than the house of God. <laughs> Not the building. You, as living stones in this incredible grand design, called the church of the living God. 
the church of Jesus Christ. And every time you meet someone, every time a number of us go out there and work with the other churches and evangelism, as we meet together, and we've already preached the gospel this morning in a nutshell, every time we speak with someone, we're being a gateway. People can believe it. Again, open the gate of their belief, declare their faith in God, and they go through the gate and meet Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. But the church has been given a, a thing called the Great Commission. One of the last things Jesus said on earth was He gave the church its job description, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of all the nations, He said in Matthew's version of that. And that's our role. That's, that's our job. Is to We can't be the way. Jesus is the way. Amen. And the reason the early church was called the way, because they're the gateway. Are you with me? So Jacob arose early in the morning. Now look at this, you theologues. I was sharing this much more in depth at Esme's group uh, the other week. And Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone. Stone? Does that ring a bell? What have we been talking about for four weeks? Amen. Jesus is the rock. On this rock I will build my church. Himself has completed work in it. Obviously a confession of faith in him. But on that rock, he will build his church. And Jesus rose early in the morning. Oh, sorry, Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar, a monument to the vision in his dream. Then he did one more thing. And he poured oil on its top in dedication. You see, oil is a picture of a shadow, a type, if you like, of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And, you know, for those of you, if you go through Bible school, you learn about the anointed rock that represents the church. Because the church is useless without the Holy Spirit. The church isn't a church without the Holy Spirit because He dwells in every single one of us. All those kind words that John was saying about me. You know, if, if that's the case and, and somehow people take a shine to who I, you know, who I am as I represent Christ, it's because of the anointing. It's because of that oil because of the Holy Spirit has chipped away the old rob and left someone that's reasonably agreeable. <laughs> and he poured oil on its top. So we talk about the anointed rock. We are the anointed rock. You, you catch me, there's a lot of symbolism in this. And he named that place Bethel, which means the house of God. But the name of that city was called and a lot of you will be aware one of the greatest movements, church planting movements, full of the Holy Spirit, is the Bethel Church out of America. They have churches and affiliated churches all over this country. Yeah, they come out, come out of the States. And this is, this is you know, the, the anointing is so important. This is why, you know, we, if you're going to, if you say, if somebody asks you what kind of church do you go to, you say, well, tell them you're an evangelical church, which signals to everybody we believe the Bible. But then if you want to get from the genus down to the species of who we are, well, we're a Pentecostal charismatic church because Pentecostalism is about receiving the Holy Spirit just like they did in the book of Acts. Just like the early church received, the Holy Spirit comes in us, we get full of the Holy Spirit, and some of us end up speaking in other languages, those prayer languages, tongues as the Old Testament, uh, sorry, as the old King Jimmy calls it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we are the anointed rock, but we're here for a reason. Are you with me? Now, let me just connect all this up 
was something Jesus said. If that, if that was the sole reference to some ladder between heaven and earth and angels ascending and descending, we could have parked it there and said, that was a good experience for you, Jacob. But I want you to see a promise of Jesus uh, in John chapter 1. We meet him at this point, and he's beginning to call his disciples. It's really early on, John chapter 1. And uh, he's called Philip. Philip had a brother called Nathaniel, but, and he had never met Jesus. Jesus had never met Nathaniel, but somehow Jesus, being God in the flesh, had seen Nathaniel in the spirit. He'd seen, as he says here, Nathaniel was approaching him. I've kind of come in a little bit too, too late here, but Nathaniel was approaching Jesus. And uh, Jesus said to, said to, oh, here comes, here comes an Israelite. Nathaniel go, how do you know that about? Oh, and whom there is no guile. God read his character. He knew, he knew who he was. And Nathaniel gets freaked out by this. And Nathaniel said to Jesus, how do you know me? You never met me. How do you, how do you know my nationality? How do you know I'm like that? How is it that you know these things about me? And Jesus answered him, before ever Philip, his brother, called you, when you were still under the fig tree, I saw you. So Jesus somehow or another saw him under a fig tree at one point. So Jesus seen him in this is in foreknowledge. Nathaniel answered, he's freaked out. Nathaniel answered, teacher, you are the son of God. So there's this incredible revelation and display of supernatural knowledge. He says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus replied, because I said to you, I saw you beneath the fig tree. You believe in and rely on trusting me. Look at this. You shall see greater things than this. Then he said to him, now wait for it. Wait for it. Then he said to him, let's, let's go on. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you all, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which is another name for Jesus. So this time we don't have a ladder. We have Jesus. And that's why he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's that access to heaven. Amen. He's the access. And he says, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And the thing is, it's like, there's nowhere in the New Testament you actually see that actually happening. There's no actual narrative where they, the disciples suddenly saw this vision where the angels ascending and descending on Jesus. But what does it mean there? I think what, God, I think what Jesus is talking about is like, like Jacob experienced this connection between God and heaven. Amen? Between earth and His place in the earth and heaven. What Jesus is saying, you're all going to experience that. You will all have access to heaven. You're all going to know the commerce between heaven and earth. God providing for us, whatever angels do, whatever their ministry is, it's only significant of God's interaction with His people. Amen? So you can see that whereas Jesus is the way, like Jacob, he said, well, this is the gateway to heaven. Amen. And that rock called Bethel means the house of God. So we are the anointed rock. Amen. And we have a message called the gospel. And every single one of, one of us are carriers of that. Amen. Which, which basically means that when you go to work, friend, you're the gateway. You're the gate. When I started work, oh, sorry, when I, I, was a, I was eight years in that factory I had been working at as a, as a 
really young guy. And uh, in the eighth year there, I got saved, as did a young apprentice who we still very good friends with. And see them, not every year, but every couple of years. And um, we began to believe this stuff. We, we, get, we began to believe that God wanted to save the staff in the office, the bosses, the Vietnamese guys working machines, the new Australians, as we used to call them, coming in from Europe, who were in several other departments of that factory. And you know, between, between Tony and I, we would pray in the mornings and say, God, come on, come on, let something happen, do something, give us a connection with people of Jesus. And you know, by the time I left that factory four years later, you know, half that factory had received Christ. Half the factory had received Jesus. Now, the fact I had somebody else with me really emboldened me. When you're the only Christian man, you really need to pray for wisdom and what to say, what to react to, what to respond to, when to zip your lip, you know what I mean? Just to, you know, just to be really wise in what you engage with and how you answer their questions. But you and I, wherever we are, not just for the team that goes out every month from this church with four or five other churches, and surely we are the gateway then as we're walking up and down the seafront Princess Park or Terminus Road. But friend, wherever you are, you're a gateway. Every connect group, and they're meeting this week on a Thursday, I urge you to go. Wednesdays and Thursdays. Got a new one up there at um, Mike and Karen's place this Thursday. Him and Jeb last time, eight, which is probably just as well because I think John had 12. A new group came out of John's group. I don't think 20 people would have fitted in John's lounge room. So it was certainly time to create a new group. So friend, can you see, can you see how important for the rest of the world the church is? I know the church gets lampooned and I, I know people laugh at the big hats, you know, that some of the more dignified members of the, the body of Christ wear and the regalia and and they laugh at the traditions, and sometimes it deserves a laugh. You know, some of the traditions I've heard of in some of these, you know, other parts of Christendom, I, I think, what are you doing? How's anybody supposed to find a way with that many silly traditions around? Do you know what I mean? That's why we're evangelical. We just simply look at the Word of God and base our practice on that. We don't add anything to it. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? So can you see how you fit into this? how we fit into this. Can you see how when we gather here on a Sunday morning, in that moment, friend, there's the ladders there, amen? The heavens are open. You might have felt the presence of God during worship. I certainly do. But you've all got a part of it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.